Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name is Dulta Doherty and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to investors, advisors, entrepreneurs and recruiters who are based all over the world and we will be discussing how to set up, scale and operate a world-class recruitment company. More and more now, I'm getting guests coming on the podcast because they've been listening, which is great because, you know, they tell me exactly what they're enjoying or what we need to do more of. And I'd really love it if some of you could reach out to me and tell me what it is that you like about the podcast or what you think we could also do with it. Um, today's guest is Lee Diamond or Lee Diamond. As, uh, as he would be known in Essex, where he's from. He's living in Switzerland, and he's been over there for about 16 years. So he had a really successful career in agency recruitment, working for Swiss Links, Randstad, and working his way right up the ladder um, to being quite senior with the ADECO group there. So he's, he's, he's kind of scaled the corporate ranks, and... He did it all right. And then he decided to set up a Rectorec. So he is the Rectorec for Switzerland. And we had a great chat about what his life and recruitment was like, why he set up a Rectorec, and, you know, what what's Switzerland like? What's it like to live there as an expat? It's a market uh, I, don't, I didn't know a lot about, um, but he kind of went through a lot of that. And he's a nice lad, and I wish him all the best. So thought we would get him on here, share his story, and then I'm sure some of you will reach out to him about life in Switzerland. Um, so, over to Lee. Lee, demand. Hey. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you. I, I don't even know what your first language is. Can I guess? <laughs> Go for it. Is it German? No, no. Is it French? No, hell no. But it's a French name you have, right? No, actually, the name comes originally from Amsterdam. Ah. So uh, when, I guess when my... Um, ancestry were, were cutting diamonds or selling diamonds. It actually came from, from there, so originally from Amsterdam. Um, but believe it or not, I'm actually born and bred in the UK. Well, there you go. You're born and bred in the UK. Exactly. Well, so let, let's jump right into the story, Lee. You're based in Zurich at the moment. Mm -hmm. How did you end up moving from the UK? Um, I guess the same reason why many people uh, move to another country. Um, I met a girl who was Swiss um, in the UK, actually, and we dated back and forth between uh, between uh, Essex, actually, where I'm from, um, and Zurich. And uh, yeah, after about three years, I finally um, took the plunge to actually move over to, to Switzerland. I thought, you know, one year experience another country, uh, another culture, why not? Um, that's now 16 years ago. Wow, 16 years ago. What, what age were you when you went over? Um, so I was 23 when I came over. Wow, young man. Yeah, yeah, yeah not anymore, but uh, 
Yeah, was was a, was a. It's been a very long time. Um, obviously, uh, together with my now wife, we're celebrating twenty years together uh, in a couple of months. So, uh, and, yeah. and and you speak you, you speak English almost like a native. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. I appreciate that. Um, you, is... it, I swear to God, I thought I thought I thought you're definitely like you know because you kind of have a bit of intonation in your in your accent. You must be. Yeah. You must be used to slowing down your pitch for people all the time. Absolutely. I was going to say your English isn't too bad either. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that, that, that's ultimately it. When, when you're in another country and you're constantly speaking to people where English isn't their mother tongue, you, you start to kind of yeah, speak pidgin English, as, as they call it, or really slow it down, clear it up. Um, Joey, Bar- imagine... Joey Barton English is, uh, <laughs> is, is the common meme, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. But if you can imagine, if I came with kind of Essex, uh, a bit of a Cockney twang, I don't think anybody anybody here would understand me. So no, that's true. So, did you get into recruitment over there? Was that uh, yeah? Because you, you must have started your professional career, really. Did, well, when you first moved over, did you have to kind of go into the hospitality stuff until you got like? some language skills or like what was your early journey like? Yeah. So, I mean, my early journey in the UK was in tourism. Um, so I was selling uh, flights and holidays all over the world in Australia, New Zealand and, and the like. Um, so actually when I moved to Switzerland, that was the most natural industry for me to get into because one of the challenging things about Switzerland is they love a piece of paper. They love a degree, um, education, and that's held in very high regard. Mm. And um, I, I Maybe never... around Europe in general, though, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I mean, certainly, um, I'd say here, here in Switzerland, it was very important at the time. And um, if I'm honest, I struggled to, to find something outside of tourism, but it was what I knew. Uh, it's a fantastic industry. Um, so that actually I joined Kuoni, who are one of the largest um, tourism companies in the world. And it's actually a Swiss company. All right. Very good. Yeah. So, yeah. so you did that for a couple of years and then the wonderful world of recruitment opened their arms to you like they do Absolutely. to everybody. Absolutely. The, war- the warm, fuzzy feeling you get when you step into the industry. Yeah. <laughs> and you, yeah. you joined a company called Swiss Links. I- I've yes. seen them as a brand that have spread across internationally in recent years mm-hmm. well tell us a little bit about your journey there um so i i had really a fantastic journey there i think that's ultimately why i was there for six years um when i started i started as a recruiter um you know they clearly explained to me that's where you need to start your career in the business um and it absolutely made sense to me so i started as a recruiter and was fortunate to jump straight into a hot desk for it contracting within the financial services here in zurich Right. And, okay. By the sounds of it, a lot, there's a lot of hot desks over there. There is. There is. It's a, it's a fantastic market, and we can uh, we can talk a bit more about that for sure. Um, but yeah, it was it was also a really good time in in IT recruitment. It was before the MSPs had come in, um, so all of the business development you were doing was without anyone in in between you and the hiring manager, Lovely. which was fantastic. Um, and I started as a recruiter. Um, I had a very, very um, quick and strong start. So I think in my first three months, placed seven people, uh, 15 in the first five months, and um, which was, was really, uh, uh, really great at the time. And after five months, actually, my boss, who was managing the desk, decided to leave. And 
that created what was a fantastic opportunity for me. And the company had seen the, the passion, the drive, and obviously the success that I'd had in those five months. And they trusted me to take over responsibility for one of the key accounts. And it's still today one of their key accounts. Um, and from there, went from strength to strength. Um, really a fantastic education and way into the business. Um, I think actually two, three months into me taking over the account, um, it, it was a very hard time for UBS. And they went through um, rate reductions, uh, reducing the number of contractors. So that, that was also a really tough learning for me at the time, but, but a great one to help me understand more about the business and how to look after contractors and manage that. And you were there for you were there for almost almost six years, which is a really mm-hmm. good stand. What was it called? What what Switzerland's like? Are they are they are they a boutique? Are they like something bigger than a boutique? Are they somewhere in between a boutique and a and a major? Um, I would still call them absolutely a boutique. They do have an office in uh, in Dubai in Singapore. Um, also recently built a nearshore uh, sourcing team in uh, in Poland as well. Um, but ultimately, yeah, they're they're around twenty to thirty people locally. Uh, very specialized in IT and finance um, and, and they're fantastic at it. So they have a great reputation. And I think this is maybe one of the big differences compared to other markets that generally on the local market, it's more the boutiques here in Zurich, especially who are, have dominated and um, led the market as opposed to the larger players. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, that, 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 is, that is interesting. Yeah, and, and I think that that's down to the, the levels of quality, to the way that the businesses are set up and, and the expectations of, of uh, clients here in Switzerland. Um, I think it's also like, you know, areas that are quite cut off to the rest. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would always think of Switzerland as a just a wee bit, a wee bit aloof to do, mm-hmm. like compared to maybe like some other, some other major cities. Mm-hmm. Whenever I recruited in, in Perth or in Calgary, those relationships were they were worth much more than what it is in New York or San Francisco, where like people are just so mad into products, so somebody can come in and just scale up real quick. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think it's still. I would still say it's the case today. There's been a lot of companies and the large internationals who have invested here, who have you know, try to grow the business and develop the business. But I would still say that, that a lot of the smaller boutiques are the, the stronger players here locally. Um, there's, there's always exceptions in, in different business lines. But, and speaking, yeah. speaking of, a, of a giant business, somebody came along and uh, managed to tempt you out of them. Hey? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So after six years, um, I was headhunted by Runstad to build up their professionals business here. And for me at the time, the only, I mean, I was running a contractor book, more than 40 people. It was, uh, you know how hard it is yourself to attract people with a contractor book to move to another company. Mm. Um, For me, the driver was I wanted to manage more people. And at the time I was leading three, four people, but I knew that was always going to be around the maximum I could achieve. So Runstad came um, and uh, tempted me to over to, to them to lead the Zurich uh, office. And I was managing originally 12 people, which I grew to actually 20 people over uh, the two and a half years that I was there. Okay, interesting. That, so, 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 that, so that really scaled during that time. Let me jump into what your, when you first started managing people at Swiss Links. Mm-hmm. What language were you doing it in? 
in English. In English. In English. And, and, um, and yeah. were the people under you happy for that? Yeah, ultimately, it's quite an international environment. Um, Switzerland probably has something like 17, 18 different nationalities, which mm. uh, uh, that's one of the unique things about Zurich and Switzerland in general. You end up in such an international, diverse uh, organization wherever you go uh, in the recruitment business. And you, there's four different languages around, and um, it makes it really exciting and, and, and really uh, different to other, other locations. So the people I was managing were... Uh, from from France, from um, Bulgaria, from Switzerland, from from all over the place. Mm. So uh, uh, it wasn't a problem. But yeah, which which languages have you have you focused on yourself to pick up? So I speak now fluent Swiss German, um, okay. which is, is, is Swiss German is a funny language. Doctor. I tell you, it's it, when I'm trying to explain it to people. I guess the easiest way would be compared to German. It's the equivalent of a drunk Irishman speaking speaking English compared to an Englishman speaking English. It's another language. <laughs> how, how racist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I thought it's Maybe it might be simpler to compare it to uh, Flemish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but it's it's really a whole other language. And you know, this the Swiss appreciate so much people that make an effort anyway just to learn the local uh, to learn German or French let alone to actually learn Swiss German so that's helped me massively over the years um, so so you scaled up with them and then mm-hmm. you went to a very similar brand in terms of mm-hmm. just another giant well mm-hmm. how did your uh, was that to give you a broader remit in what you were recruiting for was it a, a bit of a step up again or yeah, absolutely. So the the step when I joined at Echo at the time, um, they had a very big vision of what they wanted to do with the professionals business. It started with us re- rebranding to Spring Professional, um, one of the largest professional brands of the Adeco Group. And for me, that was, I'd say, almost two steps up. So it would have been the natural progression at Rundstad, but because of the scale and size of ADECO in Switzerland, being a Swiss company, it was almost two steps up for me from a career point of view. Um, and uh, the, the strategy and the way that they wanted to take the business forward um, resonated a lot more with me. So here we are now. We are quite a bit into your career. Mm-hmm. You've built up all this good knowledge of IT and IT businesses and processes and procedures and you know how to build a company and you, you decide to set up a rack to rack to go completely the opposite direction um, it's not too late man honestly it's not too late listen you know life life is uh, there's many years ahead of me in my career though um yeah i decided after 11 years of uh, being in it and, and the other areas that i wanted to start my own business in recruitment um, I think it's the type of person I am uh, from an entrepreneurial personality, uh, ambitious. Um, but it was, I mean, why Rec to Rec? Yourself, you came from IT. I mean, why, why did you go into to Rec to Rec rather than going into IT? I think I probably didn't have the same, firstly, I didn't have the same depth of, of experience as you have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also didn't have it all within the one location as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably didn't know how I could win business as an IT recruiter at that point mm-hmm. while not being in a local vicinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm perfectly honest, I got absolutely burnt out of the market in Calgary when it crashed. Mm-hmm. So 
I remember thinking like I need a break from from recruiting IT people and for from the intensity that's involved in, in IT recruitment. And then because Charlotte was an internal recruiter at one of the agencies for a little bit, we kind of got a taste for what that was and a bit of a buzz for moving people internationally. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of cracked on with it for a bit. And at the start, it was a lifestyle business. So we did we did that for a little bit. And then by the time we kind of got serious about it, it was like, oh, well, actually, we're too far into <laughs> get into what I originally said. And here we are four years later. So fantastic. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'd, if I'd necessarily change what mm-hmm. I did, but I, I, I probably would like to evolve um, my IT practice into being an international practice where we help professionals move mm-hmm. abroad and not just recruiters. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, yeah, it's a retrorex, it's a funny game. You, but you've been, you've been, you've literally just had a cup of coffee in it so far. So what? Absolutely. So walk me through it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, first of all, I, IT was something that I'd done, something that I'd experienced. Um, so why I went for Rectorec, I, it was also a lifestyle choice from my from my side. Mm. Um, being part of the leadership team of of Adeco, um, like you must have been was, under a lot of pressure throughout those yeah. years. Yeah, I mean, of course, it it comes naturally, uh, naturally with the job. Um, you know, there's always pressure for for, for numbers and sales at Rundstedt at, um, at Swisslings too. It's just the nature of our business. Um, I was fortunate that in general the numbers were always very, very positive where I was, and I was able to grow and improve the improve the business. So, um, I think for me, in the role at Adeco, it. I wasn't as happy as what I'd been previously. I wasn't as close to the people, mm. as close to the clients. I, you know, I was much more involved in, in strategy, in um, uh, administrative reporting, uh, th- things like that, that, that come with uh, a leadership role and started to go further and further away from the things that I really enjoyed about recruitment, which was connecting with people, which was making a difference, um, advising people and, um, that that's why I wanted to to make a change into Rectorec, and also because really recruitment is something I'm so passionate about, and I want to be a um, a promoter of the business in a very positive way. Um, dealing with recruiters, it's the hardest thing, but I love the people that I'm dealing with. You know, here I am speaking with you on a on a podcast. I'm I'm dealing with uh, managers, recruiters, sources, having passionate exchanges about recruitment every single day. And I couldn't have that when I was in IT. I wasn't the IT expert. I was the recruitment expert. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? You, you feel it's, it almost sounds like you can be more authentic in terms of bringing your, your own experience and your own story to the table because you are what you're selling. Absolutely. And I've, I've hired, I've coached, I've de- developed exactly the types of profiles that my clients are looking for. So before when I was recruiting IT, I was the recruitment expert. Now I can sit across the table with a CEO, with an MD, with a recruiter, a source of whatever it might be. And I feel I really understand what they do. And therefore, I can really understand where to place them and how to guide them in their career. And that's that the easy sense. stuff, right? Do you know what the mm-hmm. hard stuff is? See, right Finding. now, everybody's your best mate. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's when you, when you start figuring out that some people aren't as good 
at closing recruiters as others are. Some aren't mm-hmm. as committed. Some teams just aren't the right place to be constantly putting in. You, mm-hmm. You're going to start getting a wee bit more knowledge of all the inner workings of who fits where. And you, because you're in a relatively small space, you're going to end up stepping on people's toes. Mm-hmm. How are you going to avoid that? And what type of, like, have you picked out who you want to work with and what have you based that on? Um, so it's a really interesting question. And, you know, when I started the business, it's based I on thought, four years of pain, my friend. Yeah. I, I when I started the business, I thought, bloody hell, how, how do I decide so early in the business where my hunting grounds are, where my clients are? Um, and I think some of it's happened naturally. Um, as you said, I'm, I'm only six months in right now, so it's still developing. Um, so, there are companies that I respect where I know the owners or the MDs. And I think to myself, if I would stay in recruitment uh, on, on that side, I would like to work for this company. Um, they tend to be more of the, the startups, the boutiques, the, the smaller organizations. Um, and these are the ones that, that I have built already very strong commitment with. And I love working with and supplying talent to, um, if, if I tell you something funny, I actually called up uh, a few days ago um, a company or a manager in a company to say to him, look, over the last few months, I haven't had a candidate that I felt that I could represent to your environment because I didn't think the environment was the right fit for the candidates I'm speaking to. So I wanted to give you a heads up that actually I'm going to start approaching your people, which was an interesting conversation. And what did uh, he say? Have. Um, actually, he, he took it very well. He, he kind of said, well, look, you know, fair enough. I understand our, our competition every day hunting our people. And um, rightly so, he said, we need to make sure our people don't want to leave. Why did you call so, him up? Fair play. Because that's the type of market that Zurich and Switzerland is. It's such a small market. Everybody knows everybody in one way or, or another. And reputation and credibility and trustworthiness is so important um and i didn't just simply want to start approaching his people because then he would then he's going to have a negative impression of me um thinking even that we're working together he's gonna he's gonna have a negative impression when you start pulling people out either way yeah but but at least, at least i do it transparently at least yeah, I, i'm no, you know no. uh, nobody can say that i did it um in a uh, unprofessional way yeah well i don't think it would be unprofessional <laughs> Anyway, if you do no. it. But no. I, I get it. You're, you're concerned because you're in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where, like, I mean, we work every market, basically, abroad. So, I can't, like, you know, there's people I obviously wouldn't want to piss off and people we've got terms and act, activity. But if we're, if we're not doing business, then, you know, I think it's game ball. Some people, some people are... If you see recruiter groups like mm-hmm. online, they can be quite, uh, yeah. I've never heard anybody do that before anyway. So it's a good insight into, mm-hmm. into what life's like there. And when, you, when you're structuring out your business, I think it's probably something that I probably should have done was to focus on, and I will do, was to focus on internal recruitment and, and, and that side as well as agency. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you're looking at? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a key part of my, my strategy uh, and the offerings that I have to candidates. 
Mm. Um, you know yourself, I, I put recruiters into two pools. There's the people that want to continue their career in recruitment and grow. And there's people who, after some time, say, I want to go in-house. I want to, to go into talent acquisition, uh, HR, and take my career in that, in that way. Um, and I always think back to st when I started in recruitment and thinking of the, the, the most reusability of the candidates. People who have a niche and, and can send one candidate to several positions are in the best possible situation. And, and I think that's what the business model has. Um, with my network, of course, over the last 11 years, but I can also place people into internal recruitment positions as well. Yeah, no, no, that's good, especially because you built up those relationships with those internal recruiters. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you're setting up your business now, like, what is your what does your strategic approach look like? Like, how are you how are you making the most out of your day? Um, well, six months in, it's still very, very candidate-driven. It's, it's our market anyway. Um, I'm trying to really work hard on my personal brand um, on, on LinkedIn. Um, what do you want it to say? I want it to say that, first of all, for people outside of Switzerland, that Zurich and Switzerland in general is one of the best places in the world to be in recruitment. Um, Okay, let's jump into that. Why? Wh sure. Why? So, first of all, it's one of the highest standards of living in the world. It's always rated in, in one of the top two, three positions worldwide as the highest standard of living. We have one of the highest salaries. I think the highest average salary per, per person worldwide. Um, short commutes. So, 30 minutes is the average commute that people have. You have, uh, as a recruiter, we have very high percentages and fees. Companies would what, rather what percentages pay... percentages and fees? Well, it's on the market, in the professional's market, it's between 20 to 25%, let's say. Um, and clients would rather pay a little bit more and have the right talent and a fantastic service than constantly push down and talk about, um, uh, talk about fees. Which is very special. Yeah, that 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 is that is nice. What what do you love about living there? Um, everything. It, it's the outdoor life. I love snowboarding in the mountains. The weather. I mean, we have a real summer, a real winter. It's. Uh, I can't see my car for snow today. It's brilliant. Um, I think um, you know. I have two kids. I know you're a father yourself, and it's a great place to bring up children. And my kids walk to school from about the age of, of five, six years old. Mm. Um, so it's very, very safe. Um, when, when it comes to the recruitment side of things, we have so many he companies headquarters here, whether it's life science, so the likes of Novartis, Roche, you have obviously in financial services, UBS, Credit Suisse, have a huge uh, Google office here. Um, there's, there's such a, a fantastic recruitment market and opportunity for people in professionals. Um, and I think that's what makes it very, very attractive. How do you, like, who can get a job in, in Switzerland? Like, do you need to have, a, like, like, yes, like German or to be able to speak French? Or... Yeah, it's, it's definitely the biggest demand from, from my clients at the moment. Um, but I always say if somebody is a fantastic salesperson in English and they have a, a credible 
experience, meaning not changing every one year between different companies. They have a solid stint at a company. They can show consistency and performance. Um, English will be enough for many. You just uh, you just turned down half of the UK market, or eight, probably even eighty percent. Which which is fine. I, I I I'm looking for the twenty percent. Yeah. Um, and so are my clients. Yeah. And tell me, is it just Zurich? Is that what's happening? Is but like, what's what's Geneva like? Geneva's the same. I mean, again, um, I would say between the French part and German part of Switzerland, it's like two different countries. It really is. Uh, different cultures, different different mentality. Geneva's the French um, part, is it? It is, it is. And a lot of the clients there, I mean, French, I would say, is much more important there than, than German is in Zurich. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is very French from, uh, from a style uh, point of view. Um, they negotiate a lot more. So when I was talking about percentages, in the French part, probably the percentages are more like 20%, mm. and they may be even lower. So even that kind of divide in the middle financially can make a difference. That's interesting, isn't it? It's just a different culture. The, the, I guess the French culture are much more used to negotiating, pushing for price um, compared to the, 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 the German-speaking part, or at least that's, that's my experience. So yeah, well, when I, when I lived there, yeah. no, I mean, between the Dutch side and the, and the French side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, it's with the different, um, different languages there, and, you know, it's, it, it can be really two different, uh, two different countries. Um, but again, in Geneva, in Lausanne, in these areas, there's this huge, uh, in Geneva, huge banking, um, uh, banking scene there. Um, IT across the whole country is, is, uh, is massive. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a very good market. And what I've seen over the years, when there is a recession, when there is a downturn, Switzerland stays in a bubble. Mm. I, I remember in 2009 when the markets were really, really tough. I remember reading something saying uh, Switzerland is shopping through the recession, meaning the Swiss had spent more money on shopping during that time than they had the previous year, even though it was a recession. At the time. So no temptation to move back to the UK, huh? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I mean, my parents would love it if I would, um, but no, uh, no, no temptation for me. I, if you look at my website, it's like a, a tourism uh, <laughs> <laughs> promotion uh, for Switzerland. Yeah, and I think to brand yourself as Mister Mister Switzerland from the UK is probably it's probably a good uh, a good thing, isn't it? You know, you, you're going to be like the the, the recruitment beacon there. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And but especially on the local market here as well. Um, yeah. So you, you mentioned you want to, like a lot of it was about lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that, like, what, what's your vision for your, for your rec to rec business? Like, are you, I take it you've got a home office at the moment? Um, actually, I have, um, I have, I work from home once a week. And the other four days, I have an office right in the heart of Zurich. And um, I'm sharing that office, which was something I wanted to ask you, because I, my perception was you, you work from home, but I need other people around me. I'm, I'm such a, a social person. I need that contact during the week. I couldn't simply just work from home. Um, so I actually work, there's five other people in the office where I am. Um, and for me, that makes a big, big difference. Yeah. Also meeting candidates locally, having a, a confidential private meeting room where people can come and see me. 
Um, but you, you work from home, or what's what's your uh, your model? I work from home. I've had an office for the last couple of years in the local mm-hmm. village here, but that was just because we were having kids, and mm-hmm. and then like I've renovated the house, so I have a nice home office now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, you know. It's a good question. I think I'm probably ready to base myself in a wee work office um mm-hmm. and 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 do that but i'm pretty comfy as well so it's it, it, it's i i don't know i could you're a better man than me i i need that that social interaction around me i i'm, I'm stimulated from it um sharing successes sharing frustrations that's that's important to me as well yeah yeah i wonder i wonder is it something i do like I mean, I just don't know, honestly, at the moment. It's it, it it's working for me right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm so the pro- half the problem is I'm in this little village, which is where my wife is from. And it's it's a mm-hmm. nice little place. It's called Arundel. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's not far from the south coast. And uh, it, 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 it's all right. But like Brighton is 40 minutes away. So. You know, by the time I I I add up that commute and stuff, I'm I'm losing quite a lot of the day as opposed to just being able to working work in here and make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. so what I get it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still on the fence with it. That's what I'm trying to say. I, part of what we're we're thinking now, the next stage is because the podcast has gone so well, we've got a trip to New York booked at the end of the month, and we're going to go over there. And we're booked out to meet clients and record record live podcasts with them and with recruiters who are in the market to discuss what it's like for them mm-hmm. over there and what that transition and the process and everything to do with that and all the people we've worked with for the last, or some of the people that we've worked with over the past four years. And then I'm booked to do something similar in Brighton. I'm, I'm doing a, I'm going to record a, a round table with a, with a recruitment entrepreneur who's had a massive exit, a really famous mm-hmm. trainer a recruit and a recruitment lawyer. And we're going to film yeah. that. And, and do that and then I think that the destination marketing piece is where I see the next bit and I could either put money into getting an office or I could put money into doing that and that's where I'm kind of tossing up things you know mm-hmm. it's the same with my when I staff internally like I could I could hire somebody who's a 360 salesperson and they need a lot of guidance and a lot of hand-holding or I could mm-hmm. hire a VA and give them stuff I'd want to do so I can focus on the creative and the high touch point stuff that I do want to do. And, mm-hmm. and it's just working out the what works for you, you know, what make, because I was talking to Roy Ripper, who was on the podcast, it was just a couple of days ago, and he was a brilliant guest. Yeah, I, I heard it actually um, was, was uh, had, had Roy over in Switzerland back in 2009 i think it was when i was at swiss links we got him in for a couple of days for a for a training ah, so uh, it was funny to hear his voice on the on the podcast did yeah. you enjoy the podcast on him yeah it was good it was good in- interesting conversation for sure he's he's a has such an engaging passionate energetic uh, personality and it really uh, really comes through uh, it resonated how much he puts happiness over everything else like yeah. he, and he didn't seem like sometimes, you know, you can like he could be a like if he had a, went a different direction, he by all rights could have had four or five massive exits. That's what I got from the interview. Mm-hmm. But he seems perfectly happy with the route that he went and what he's up to and and all of that. And I thought, oh, that's that's interesting. Like you're 
he, he's been in the industry a considerable amount of time and he seems quite happy with his choices that he made and still seems to be going down that road. So I enjoyed, enjoyed doing that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I suppose I, I want to do more of those type of things, like doing a live event with Roy and a few others, and perhaps we can get over to we can get over to you and and uh, and and do something with uh, with the local market there after a wee ski trip. Yeah, I was going to say absolutely. As long as we uh, we can do it in the mountains and connect it with a, with a few terms. Huh? We were talking about skiing the other day. So. Lovely, lovely. Yeah. yeah. What what uh, yeah. what other challenges do you have? right now in your business like because you're so early on i know you you've had big brands behind you lots of structure like what are you what are you finding um i mean still i guess it's it's really that attraction of of candidates you know i think we have it harder than any of our clients who are you know even if it's niche skills in in it um you know it's I think finding recruiters, engaging with recruiters, that's really the the biggest challenge right now. Mm. Um, getting into com- no, and, and getting into conversations with people, not because I want to find them another job, but I want to bring them into my network. I w- I'd like to share some advice to know who they are. Um, and, you know, if one day something comes from it, fantastic. And if not, I'm just happy to meet and connect with people in the industry. And I think that's the, that's the toughest part. Um, yeah, it it is people seeing behind be further than that first introduction. You know, I find it harder than IT recruitment because I always yeah. thought in IT recruitment, the the candidates had a clear vision on where they were going in their career, and like they'd worked for so hard, they worked so hard to get all the certifications and all the stuff that would bring them up to the certain level to get to a consultancy. That then they get to the next one up and the next one up, where. Mm-hmm. Whereas recruiters don't really see it like that. They very much are kind of sold into the industry to come in and do something. And then they're kind of brainwashed that this is the only place that does this and does it well and everywhere else isn't Mm -hmm. good. So it's very hard to sell them on that until they're absolutely broken with the current environment. And I find that that's that's tricky because then by the time they're broken, they're applying everywhere, and mm-hmm. and they're not as good as they were. <laughs> so it's 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 really tough to catch them at the right time. And I find the international piece is nice because they can be like they'll 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 message me and they'll say, look, not this year, it'll be next year. Let's work towards it, and then we can start mapping that out and planning that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that I get that on the other side where I'm bringing people from the UK or from Germany or. Italy, France, wherever it might be. Um, and, and I kind of envy you a little bit with the model of placing people overseas because I think then you have a candidate who clearly has a goal of, be, of going somewhere else. Um, it's interesting what you say about people catching people at the right time and people being burnt out. Some candidates that I speak to say, I want to go into internal recruitment because I've had enough of agency recruitment. And often, you know, speaking with them and, and understanding how their journey in recruitment has gone, I sometimes feel that they've simply been at the wrong place, that their perception of, of how that role can look in other companies is actually a, a little bit skewed from, from, from uh, their experience there. Um, and that sometimes actually moving into a different environment would be the right thing as opposed to going into internal recruitment. So, uh, Yeah, but they might just not have the bit between their teeth anymore as well. So mm-hmm. like, the, like that could be, 
I think like they could be just so burned by failing or feeling like they failed that it's very hard, even if you put them into the right and the right environment to get it right. Like it's, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough industry. It's tougher than mm-hmm. people outside it realize, you know? Mm. Um, I mean, how, how do you deal with it when you have a candidate who's maybe not been so successful and you're, you're thinking to yourself that they have a potential, you would like to be able to, to share them with some of your clients, you know, how, how, how do you, do you convince yourself that you believe that in another environment they can be successful or how, how do you go about that? I give them to another rector. I <laughs> I'm not okay, lying. So, 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 let, so let me say this out. I don't want any CVs from you. Um, I have 22 yeah. other rector that, uh, yeah. that I, that I deal with for that. Look, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a snob. I, mm-hmm. I, I, when I was, when I was an IT recruiter as well, I used to like working with the best people and getting them better jobs. And, mm-hmm. Look, I'd probably make way more money if I just was able to kind of persuade the average guy in the room to go to the next average job. But I don't get a buzz out of that. Yeah. Uh, so, and I know people like, so I just, I, other people do work role specific things and I don't. So I, I will, if somebody approaches me and I can't get them that job in New York or London or one of the, at one of the best places, then mm. I'll say, well, here's, here's how you can make this move happen in three years time or in two years time. But mm-hmm. to start that, I'm probably not the right person for you. Here is Sam in London. Why don't you go mm-hmm. speak to him? Or, you know, here's Chris in Liverpool. Why don't you go speak to him? And that's, it's kind of the way I work. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I try to work in a in, in in the same way of judging whether or not I would want to hire the person myself. For my well, like I, I believe there's a job for everybody. I just don't know if I'm the rector act to represent everybody. Yeah, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, incoming call cut uh, cut through. Apologies that, for that. Um, no, I I, I really. Um, I, I try to think, first of all, whether I would hire the person for my business, um, you know, whether I would see potential, would I go through the process with them? Um, would, would they convince me? And if so, obviously, that they will be able to convince my clients as well. Um, so, yeah, there, there's sometimes I always think, and I've seen it before, is why I ask the question that someone, for example, who I know wasn't successful in their previous company, comes to a new company or, or came to work for me, for example, and was able to be successful. Mm. And and sometimes I I think to myself, okay, the, the person has the potential if they had the right manager, the right in- infrastructure around them. Um, uh, do you know what? It's not even about company though. Like I I remember when I was at Robert Walters, mm-hmm. and I got a hot desk mm-hmm. and became a big biller mm-hmm. because I got the right start, and the right momentum, and the right training. And then the person next to me joined a crap manager on a crap desk. Mm-hmm. with not not much happening they didn't they didn't do well but then yep. they went on to another agency and went through the ranks and and, and flew at it and yeah. both getting calls here yeah it's uh yeah i'm, some, I'm still here yeah, <laughs> yeah some of it is uh some of it it's really just down to the individual how lucky they can be yeah. to to meet that manager to get that 
to get that chance to work with with, with somebody great, and yeah, it's it's hard. So, I, it it is hard to write somebody off and say, oh, well, they're not quite good. But mm-hmm. if maybe they've done that three times or four times, yeah, or of course. If there's a pattern there, um, then you know that just means they're they're probably not dealing with adversity well. Mm-hmm. They're not digging their feet in. And I would like, like, you know, make a mistake, maybe even make two. But whenever I see three or three in a, especially three in a row or three in four years, I'm starting to see a pattern, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, those are the kind of profiles on on the local market here. I can't sell. Um, No. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What profiles can you sell if somebody was from overseas? Um, so in, let's say in demand is IT engineering, life science, um, talk about professional recruitment, finance, what people need to have is a proven track record. Um, people with English only can how, get how a much, job. how much experience is proven? Um, well, it, it depends, you know, right now, if you would show me an IT recruiter with one and a half years experience, um, who's passionate, creative on social media and speaks English only, I could place them right now um, in, in, in one or two fantastic organizations. If you, it, so it, it really depends. It's not all about the amount of experience. It's also about the quality of the person. But when we talk about the more experienced people, yeah, it's, it's three, four years at the same organization. Um, normally in recruitment, you see that people have been promoted during that time as well, if they've been good. Um, and yeah, in the in the professional space, mm. um, I think these. Do are you the look for a certain amount of like? Obviously, mm-hmm. we look at billings. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to translate that market to market. Mm-hmm. Do you like what what what's kind of considered good in the local market? Um, I mean, just how, how I qualify that is, I try to understand from people what they did, and I, I always like to ask the people, "Where were you ranked in the organisation?" And what was number one doing? And, and especially what was number one doing better than you? Like, what would you have had to do to become number one? Mm. Um, and it, because it, I think there's a certain self-awareness. And do you understand what the difference is between the best and someone who's good? Um, on the local market, if we talk about permanent recruitment, you know, a solid 360 recruiter will be doing 350, 400,000 per year. In Swiss francs, so you're talking somewhere between yeah, 280 and 340,000 pounds per year. That's that's a decent, solid 360 recruiter. Um, the top guys on the market will be doing six, seven, eight hundred thousand in the professional space. So again, um, you know, somewhere between 450 to 600,000 pounds a year. Um, but as you say, it's hard to uh, it's hard to translate, and contracting can go through the roof. You have people billing more than a million. Yeah, no, no. It's I usually just go down to break it down to how many placements they're doing in a month. And, uh, in the pro- professional space, one yeah. one placement a month, one and a half placements a month is a, is a solid performer. Yeah, way I look at it usually is one to survive, two's good, mm-hmm. and three's excellent. If it's yeah. if it's in if it's in that category, that isn't. Uh, isn't transactional, mm-hmm. you know. 
So it, it depends on the fees and are they working purely on mandates and, and how, how it structures in around that as well. But yeah. What's the, what's the environment, the working environment there? I take it it's quite like London, is it, in many ways? Um, not really, no. Um, I, I'd say it's actually a lot more relaxed in most environments. My, and, and again, you, you asked me at the beginning, I've never worked in recruitment in London or in the UK or anywhere else for that fact. So it's very hard for me to make a comparison. My perception is very, very long hours, um, KPI crack whipping. But again, that's probably in the larger companies rather than the more boutique. And, I, think, and, uh, yeah. I think it's also our generation as well. I think like you've been in recruitment a long time. A lot of companies have been forced to amend the way that they do it because just because people won't do it anymore. They won't just pick up the phone and because they're told to. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I, I think in London, there is a, an expectation that you stay a little later. Mm-hmm. I think I get, the, I get the same vibe from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Australia, you're expected to start a little earlier. Okay. And... Uh, and then in Hong Kong, it's pretty long hours as well. Yeah. So, I, th- I think in, in, to answer the question, in general, it's based on the company. The larger the organization, I think the more hours, the more old school in that sense, the, the, the setup. Um, and the, the, the more boutique have a much better understanding of work-life balance, of flexibility, um, you know, I always try to bring that into the organizations where I was managing uh, people, you know, that I give flexibility, but expect it back. I don't care what time somebody starts in the morning, as long as they do their work and hours during a day. Mm. Um, I, I, we need to work you, towards that. Yeah. How do you divide up your own time now between taking on searches and, and finding just, because everybody's after the same profiles, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, Poorly, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a very hard thing. It's a very hard thing to do as a as a rector act because there's, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of commitment sometimes in the in in the process. Like everybody's after the same thing, and the, the candidates are kind of a bit hard to to manage. And it's 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 a tough one. Like every, like right now, I get asked all day, "Oh, can you take on this? Can you do this? Can you do that?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like. I can't really. I can't. I can't deliver all of this. So it's it's just very hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like um, any recruitment consultant. They have to prioritize the positions, and you know, I've very quickly worked out who I want to work with, and and um, you know, I I think I've not done business development in about two months. Um, you know, even through the. You've only the, been uh, in business for six. <laughs> I know, right? So it's fantastic. I only had to do uh, uh, four months of business development. No, but just the the, the personal branding is, is really bringing a lot of gen, uh, generating a lot of business for me, both from the candidate and client side. So I have clients approaching me, which is which is brilliant. Um, but uh, ultimately, I need to try and squeeze every day time in for, uh, for, for, for approaching candidates, for trying to attract them. I, I make everything personal. Um, so there's no mass emailing or, or anything like that. Um, and I try to do it in a very professional way and, and softly, softly, and, and to, to build my business um, based on that. So it's, it's, but I know what you mean. Very, mm. very tough to balance the time. Will you go into Germany next or are you going to just stick in, in Switzerland? Um, to be honest with you, 
I love the Swiss market, and that's really where I see my biggest value and focus. As soon as I think about other markets, obviously, the um, it's yeah, I, I don't see it as a way that I'm going to take the business. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the Swiss market has enough there for me to do. Lovely. Mm. All right, Lee, any questions for me before we rock on here? No, I think, uh, you know, um, maybe the last thing, because, I mean, we talked about working from home and these things, this is what I wanted to ask you about. But why, why do you think Rectorec is so important? Why do I think? Well, in, in the same way that recruitment in general is that, you know, the, if, if, you're, if you're a client, you know, we'll help you find somebody that can change your business. Mm-hmm. If the bit I like out of Rectorec is, is whenever I can follow some of the people I've placed on Instagram mm-hmm. and I can see what their life was like in Oldham or whatever other shithole from the UK they're <laughs> from. And, and that now I see them in, in uh, Santa Monica and then suddenly, and, and, I, and I see how I've changed, I've helped change their life. And that that's a real buzz. And I get messages off them. My life's amazing. Now, thanks for encouraging me to do this move. And and that that's what I get the most buzz out of. So yeah. if you can make a positive change, either to a business or to somebody's own personal outcome, then that's what makes the, the, the job in general great, not just recruitment to recruitment. Yeah. Love it. Great. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think um, it's such such a hard place to navigate, to, to find people that can help you develop your business and, and grow the business. And yeah, I think there's nothing more satisfying than seeing you make an impact uh, in, in someone's life. Um, yeah, absolutely agree. All right. So any midweek snowboarding or is it just, just the weekend? <laughs> Um, yeah, I think the sun is shining very, very bright from today onwards. So, uh, no, no, need to find some candidates. So back right, to the grind. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming on. It was really interesting to figure out a bit more about, uh, about the Swiss market and what's going on there. It's, it's, it's not been something I've even thought about. So, and, uh, I didn't know that English speaking recruiters could go and make a living there. So really cool. There you go. And I look forward to seeing you over here for a snowboarding session in the mountains soon. Amazing, amazing. Can't wait. All right, Paul. Catch you later. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, a massive thank you to Lee for coming on the podcast. I do wonder, people getting into Rec to Rec when they've got that background in technology recruitment. I think he's insane. <laughs> if I could wind back the clock, I think I probably would have set up a good IT recruitment firm, especially if I had his background. But nevertheless, another person into the wonderful world of Rectorec, and we wish him the best. If any of you are interested in moving abroad, please do hit me up, whether that is to Europe or it's to America or Australia or Asia. We are all over the place placing people all over the world every month and we love it. So hit me up on that. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow with another amazing guest.